to the Bean Ninjas podcast, where you get an all-access pass to see what happens behind the closed doors of a fast-growing global bookkeeping and financial reporting business. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bean Ninjas podcast. Today, we have two guests who have previously been on the show. We have Wayne Richard, who was on talking about our launch in the US back in episode 11, and Michael Walk, who was on the show for episode 16 around being a remote worker and his tips to do that effectively. Wayne and Michael have both been in Bangkok for DCBKK, which is an annual Dynamite Circle conference. And as well as attending the event, they were also there representing Beanages as event sponsors. And on the show today, Wayne will be talking about what we've learned as event sponsors and some of the things that we will do next year and, and some of the things we might do differently. And Michael will be sharing his top two takeaways from the event, as well as some of his tips around being or get making the most of being an attendee at a live event such as DCBKK. Thanks, Meryl. Pleasure to be on the show once again. And you're here on the Gold Coast meeting with some of the team and also getting in a few surfs. How's your trip been so far? It's been excellent. I was quite pleased by the cuisine. The food has been amazing and the surf has been totally enjoyable. I felt like a little kid again, reminded me of times when you learn to ride a bike and the self-pride that you get when you are you get to go on the bike on your own. It felt quite like that on the surfboard. It was amazing seeing the smiles on your faces and some of the other team members when we did the surf lesson earlier this week. And it was really nice for me to be able to share a passion of mine, which a lot of listeners will know is surfing. So today on the podcast, we're chatting all things event sponsorship. We've had you and also Michael from the Beanages team over in Bangkok at DCBKK, which is an event that we've sponsored for the last three years. And we thought it would be interesting to run an episode about why we sponsor an event, why even attend live events, and what have we learned over the last three years in being an event sponsor. So Wayne, do you want to start by just talking about why why would an entrepreneur make an investment to attend a live event? Sure. So I really have four key takeaways around this, and they're centered around connection and content. I felt live events are an amazing time to share experiences, perhaps a few drinks, and connect with like-minded people. These could be potential partners or clients even or key referral sources within your business. Second, there's something unique about connections made in real life. As we deliver at Bean Ninja's online services via the cloud, having opportunities to build real life interactions is huge, especially in a business like ours where trust is paramount. So much can be learned by attending the right events And I define the right events as having targeted, well-vetted speakers, having engaging content that's relevant to you in the community it represents. I feel as though through these learnings of prior experiences of others, lessons learned and failures that others may have faced, you can begin to develop a clear roadmap 
as an entrepreneur for you in your business journey. And lastly, you may have an opportunity to speak at these events and it really gives you an opportunity to build your profile as a knowledge stakeholder or an industry expert or perhaps a thought leader in your field. It's interesting because at Bean Ninjas, we view live events as an investment. But I feel many entrepreneurs, and I personally in the past had struggled with this in the early stages of business and merely viewed it as an expense. I'm interested, Meryl, in your thoughts around the investment expense mindset challenge, why we at Bean Ninjas choose not just to attend, but to sponsor events, and your experience certainly just recently in selecting team members to attend events when or if you can't attend yourself. I think there's a couple of different elements to that. And and you really articulated why you might, as an entrepreneur, attend an event. And then there's some additional benefits to being an event sponsor. And some of the benefits I see are around brand awareness and also the opportunity to be invited to VIP events speakers' dinners, sponsors' dinners, things that you might not otherwise have an invitation to. But if we go back a step, what is the reason to sponsor an event? What is What are you hoping to get out of it? And that might be to, to gain clients. It might be to build relationships or potential partnerships down the track, referral relationships. So before deciding to sponsor an event, I'd first think about why. What are you hoping to achieve from it? And then that can help you in selecting the right event. And something that I've talked about in previous podcasts is the benefit of having a niche. And if you don't have a niche and you're not solving a specific problem for a specific group of people, then it would be difficult to find the right event. So one of the reasons that we choose to sponsor DCBKK is we've been through that thought process and we've identified who our target market is, which are a number of different market segments within online businesses like coaches, bloggers, any commerce businesses. And we've identified that we add value to this particular community. And by sponsoring the event, we have the opportunity for the Be News brand to have more exposure through things like mentions from the stage and also through our booth during the conference. But when we first made that decision back in 2016 to, a, to sponsor an event for the first time, it was quite a difficult decision. In 2016, Beaminges was just over a year old when we made that decision. So our revenue was only a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year. So the, the cost of the sponsorship was significant compared to what our revenue was at the time. Then we needed to factor in things like gifts for the 300 attendees, flights and accommodation, as well as the sponsorship itself. But if I look back at that decision back in 2016 to make that significant investment, I would do the same thing again. And the key reason for that was that it helped us to fast track relationships and build awareness of who we were. And to achieve that same thing without the sponsorship could have taken a couple of years of, of hard, hard work. And by do it by sponsoring the event, we were able to fast track that. I do have a lesson learned from that very first year in sponsoring the event we we selected a great gift notebooks which we have repeated at other events since uh, but the mistake we, we made was carrying 60 kilos of notebooks ourselves over to bangkok instead of having them shipped directly and i will never make that mistake again 
I can say from this year's event, the notebooks were very well received and it was great to see it. a number of the main stage speaker events are Bee Ninja's notebooks being well represented. I guess next, if you could share with us a little bit about selecting team members to attend events. And this particular event particularly was interesting because I wasn't able to attend myself. So last year at DCBKK, I did bring along Tom as a team member, but this year I had a wedding at the same time. So I wasn't able to attend the event at all. And I left the the running of the event in terms of our sponsorship in the hands of you, Wayne, and also with Michael. And when I was thinking about the right people to have represent the Bing News brand at a conference, again, I go back to why. So what are we trying to achieve at the conference? And we're there to build relationships and to add value. And so we need people that feel comfortable meeting new people and are able to build relationships. And we're not there to sell. We're not there to, to push accounting and our accounting services and bookkeeping services hard. It's more about understanding understand the people at the event, building relationships and adding value where we can. And so we needed to have team members that were good at that, good at building relationships, good at talking with different people. And also we were hosting an event. We hosted a, a drinks event for other being just clients and event sponsors. And so we needed team members that were comfortable being hosts and introducing clients of ours to, to other clients that, that might be valuable or, or helpful or where, where they might be able to build good relationships. And so there's a number of different attributes we needed from these team members, being able to meet people, feel comfortable, build relationships, and also talk to some of these quite high-level entrepreneurs. And I had great feedback. It, it was hard for me not being at the conference. It's one of my favourite events of the year. So it was hard not being there. But to hear the feedback that I had about both you, Wayne, and also Michael was was fantastic. It, it, I felt really proud to have team members that were representing the brand in the way that you did. So next, I want to lead into some tips around sponsoring events. And if if someone else was to, so another entrepreneur or business owner was to sponsor an event, do you have some tips, Wayne, around preparing for the event, the booth presence, hosting drinks, or any other tips that you could share to help someone else have an effective sponsorship? Absolutely. And not to plug the DC, but I'll say as a first timer attending the event, I felt that it was extremely well put on. The coordination, the topics, the content, and just the environment was exciting to be around and experience. But regarding tips on sponsoring, I'll freestyle it a little bit. I'll start by talking generally about areas you may want to consider when sponsoring an event. I'll get in a little bit to uh, things to consider when hosting a booth. And I'll end up talking a little bit about coordinating VIP events while also sharing my thoughts on selecting accommodations when attending live events. So considering general topics, I felt it was extremely beneficial for us as we were not quite familiar with the venue, and I personally, nor had Michael been to Bangkok before, it was important for us to build a relationship with the event manager and the event coordinator. They were able to be our boots on the ground, help us coordinate locations for things like 
our VIP event. They assisted in our swag gifts. Um, we actually had, for the first time, notebooks manufactured out of China and shipped directly to the event. And we did so almost hands-off. We provided direction to the event planner. And I'd love to give a plug for Kat at the Dynamite Circle, who was an amazing um, help for us in this year's event. Second, I want to talk about having time to meet with your team to discuss what you're looking to gain from this event. It might be connections. It may be a hard sell and and attracting new clients. Or it may also be simply gathering new information and education because it will adjust your attitude in how you approach and act throughout the event and how you engage in conversations. I love the Dynamite Circle event and our approach in going into that event this year because our conversations were very natural. Our goal was to build trust within the community. I believe that people do business with people and they do business with those they know, like, and trust. This year's event gave Bean Ninjas an amazing opportunity to build relationships across those three areas. Lastly, in general terms, I feel it's important to take some time up front to line up opportunities for connections you're looking to make with others during the event, as these events tend to be very structured and busy times. So that pre-planning for meetups and invitations to people you'd like to connect with is a great way to make sure that you actually meet those people you're interested in connecting with. I'll talk a little bit now about your booth, some of the offers that you might roll out, and also identifying and providing swag. One key lesson learned for us is really pre-plan and arrange upfront timelines for any print materials that you might need, as it will inevitably become the case that as a deadline approaches, something goes wrong. So make sure you plan out enough time to have your print materials to the event planner. Next, around coordinating swag. Again, we reflected, we, we shared that we chose to issue notebooks. Uh, we felt the notebooks were a great way to interact with our clients as it's typically something you have on your desk or on your person for a long period of time. The notebook has many pages, so it's often something you reach back for, and it just gives us a chance to be present. Also around creating a booth presence. We, as a sponsor at this year's event, had one of few booths, so we invested in pull-up signs that provided us a, a little bit of visibility. We strategically selected our booth to be just behind the sign-up table, so as every attendee entered the conference rooms, they had clear visibility of our booth. So there was a bit of awareness that Bean Ninjas was a sponsor and where people knew where we were located. And I think that's important to say in making the decision to sponsors, you typically get first pick of a booth location um, and an opportunity to meet with the event planner to understand a little bit about foot traffic and where people might be at certain times. 
So you have the ability to really show a strong presence by that booth. I'll touch a little bit now on VIP drinks. We called it the Bee Ninjas Sip and Social. It was just an opportunity for us to share our gratitudes and a bit of thanks to our clients and the other event sponsors and have a little bit of time to interact one-on-one. Some things that are important in setting up a VIP drinks or a VIP experience is really selecting a location for the event. Uh, Even though we hadn't been in the city before, we were able to identify and get quotes from a number of great locations and at different price points through the coordination with the event planner. You want to make sure you pick an event location that's accessible to the main conference hall or the accommodations where most of your target invitee list will be staying. And I would suggest issuing invitations early enough to allow time for attendees to identify if your event is something that might conflict with other events that they may have planned. I also suggest getting it out early because people will tend to respond quickly. So if you're able to capture their time early, they may not be as willing to attend some of those other events where the invitations come after. I'd also suggest making the event exclusive. People feel proud to be invited and and make that early commitment to attend. And one of the key takeaways that we learned from was sharing the guest list. We actually just used a simple Facebook event, but I think it helped because you could see what other attendees might be there. And there may be an opportunity for you to connect with other clients or they may have members that are attending who are people you had hoped to have time with throughout the event that you might not have otherwise had a lesser audience to compete with for their time. Lastly, I mentioned I'd share a little bit about selecting accommodations. Um, There's always a debate on whether or not you should stay at the hotel or the event center where many of the attendees um, are staying. We as responsible, trusted advisors and and bookkeepers tend to also look at the return on investment. Um, Do you really need to be at the event location? What's the expense difference in perhaps sharing an Airbnb or a common location with other team members One thing that we felt important in selecting our accommodations was even though Michael and I are both extremely social, it was nice to have time to step away from the high pace of the event and have time to really debrief and and connect with one another and kind of share stories about those people we met, talk about some of the ideas that we might have for strategies on, on interacting or who to connect with. Um, in the in the next few days, but also it gives you a chance when you do have a larger team attend to have social events that are specific around just your team members. I think also at B Ninjas, it's important for us to take time for self care and accommodations that provide for use of a gym or a pool that give you time to have a, a bit of me time in in the busyness of the event was extremely important. 
I guess here, Meryl, I'm interested in hearing your approach, um, not just in attending events, but one of the important aspects of events is opportunities to speak. So I'm interested in your approach to preparing and delivering content when given that opportunity as a trusted partner to speak at conferences. And I think speaking at events is a great way of sharing your thoughts and knowledge and adding value to a group of people rather than one-on-one conversations. And at the last three events of DCBKK, we've each year we have run some kind of event, educational event, workshop related to zero and accounting. And that's been a good opportunity for us to help people within the community answer their questions and also share some of our knowledge and expertise. And when I'm approaching running a workshop or speaking at an event, the first thing I think about is who will the audience be and what will they want out of the event? I also think about the event's event host. So in this case, the event organisers, Dynamite Circle, might be looking for something different to the people in the audience or when I had my first paid speaking gig earlier this year, again, the event host might have something slightly different from the audience. I like to be clear at the start about what everyone's hoping to achieve and then also think about what am I aiming to achieve with this presentation? What outcomes or what knowledge do I want people to walk away with or is there a call to action at the end of the presentation that I'd like to present? Once I've got the overall objective figured out, then I look at identifying the key points and sometimes I usually start with a Google Doc and sometimes I'll just write free form just to get all of my ideas out but I do like to to then narrow that down to an outline so I don't actually start with the slides until I'm really clear about what the outline is and again making sure that that fits in with what I'm trying to achieve with that presentation. I next look for stories that tie in with these key points. I think storytelling is really important with everything that we do. It's not just related to a presentation, but how we handle sales calls, how we develop team members. I think often people remember stories, not just facts. And so I look for stories that I can tell that relate to the key points that I'm trying to deliver. And then once I've organized all of that and have that clear in my head, then I develop the slides. When I'm creating slides, I like to use images, more images and less words. And we have a designer we use who helps me to find the right images and sometimes we'll create images that convey the key points that I'm trying to get across in the presentation. Then once the slides are created, next I I practice. I see how long it takes. I practice different elements to make sure that my delivery is smooth. And at that point, I might tweak some of the slides, switch things around a little bit until I'm happy. And depending on the presentation, I will decide how much time I'm going to spend on it. So with something like DZPKK or when I was speaking as a paid speaker for that first time, I I was fine spending a number of days getting the presentation right. On a recent podcast episode, I talked about only having only giving myself an hour to prepare for a presentation. And I think it's important having that. You could spend two weeks preparing for a presentation. So it is important to know upfront how much of a time investment you're willing to put in to perfect their presentation. So just to recap on that, or just to think back about why you would present in an event, I think it's such a great way to share your knowledge and, and build up your profile. 
Next, Wayne, I wanted to move into, while we're on the topic of presentations, I'd be interested to hear a little bit more or have you share with our audience a little bit more about the presentation that we ran at DCPKK this year and any takeaways that you have from that. Sure. So we actually had two opportunities to present at informal meetups throughout the week. I think some of the lessons learned that I gathered from this year's event, really it's important to know your audience. I feel some of the best meetups that occurred were those that were interactive and it really represented the experience level and the expertise of the speaker. I think it's important to understand what topics the attendees are hungry to learn more about and those that you have expertise to deliver. I suggest taking the time pre-event to publish forum posts, taking the time to search through frequently asked questions that you receive throughout your current clients, and then also having time to ask your industry peers what topics ran well at events that they may have had chances to speak at. I guess I'd like to finish it out, Meryl, and and ask you some of your closing thoughts around event sponsorship and how Bee Ninjas will be represented at live events going forward. We we initially talked about why you would attend an event and going through that thought process. I think it's important after the event has occurred to reflect on what worked and what didn't. And so something that we've done this year is create a Google Doc where we've looked at the different things that we did related to the event, like our booth, the VIP night that we hosted, the presentation, their swag, and reflect on what went, what went well, what didn't, what we can do differently. And that really helps us to also evaluate the event, the return on investment, and whether we do make a sponsorship investment again next year, and also or whether we look for different events to sponsor. And I think with anything that you do, not only event sponsorship, it's important to set that expectation up front about what you're expecting to gain from whatever it is, and then reflect on whether that happened. And then some specific reflections and and lessons learned for us would be with the VIP drinks. Next time we'd organise a photographer. This year, Michael and Wayne were being wonderful hosts and interacting with everyone and, and making introductions, but that meant we didn't have t- they didn't have time to take, or their priority was in those relationships rather than taking photographs. But it would have been amazing to have some photographs. So next year we'll organise a photographer for that. With our Zero Hacks workshop, we were presenting at the same time as another key event. And next time we'll be more strategic with the time that we're presenting so that to make sure that we're not clashing with another high profile event. I'd always make sure that we have an invitation to the speaker's dinner or a sponsor's dinner if the particular event has one. I think that is a, a key night where you're in a room with a much smaller group of people and for a number of hours and you have the opportunity to hear their stories and share some of your own. And some closing thoughts on swag items or gifts for the attendees. I'd try and choose something that is useful and is not going to be lost uh, or, or quickly. So we provided pens as a gift one year and pens are the kind of thing that they stay in your hands and then the next day they, they might be lost. Whereas a notebook is something that will last and someone will use and see your branding on that item. 
for many, many months. So closing thoughts are that, again, DCBKK, it's been an amazing event again. And even though I wasn't there myself, we had great team members representing the Bean Ninjas brand. And overall, it was a success for us. And we will continue to sponsor events in the future. Michael, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Meryl. Good to be here. Where are you calling from today? I'm in Bangkok in Thailand. Um, yes, I've been here for a couple of weeks. And yeah, recording, recording from here. I'm flying out back to Indonesia on tomorrow. So this is my last day here in, in Thailand. Let's jump into it. Michael, do you want to start by sharing your top two takeaways from DCBKK? There was a talk by um, Shane who runs um, a WordPress business called Thrive Themes. And he had a really interesting um, presentation on something he called the bento box method. Um, I loved it for two reasons. One is because I love eating Japanese bento boxes, and for people who don't know, people who don't know Japanese, so it's a it's a form of lunch where they they give you a box and all of your food is segmented into you know five or six different areas and you kind of mix and match, but it's comes out really ordered. Um, and the second was it's really handy to be able to put into any business and the the rough idea of of his method i believe it's his method um is is aimed at trying to get your thoughts across as clearly and concisely as possible and it's called the bento box method because you're supposed to keep each idea or point that you're trying to communicate separate and not cross-pollinate the box as it were so um, say in communication with a staff team member or even with an external client, you outline, hey, this is what I'm going to be talking about, these three points. You list point one, clearly, concisely to the point, move on to point two, move on to point three, and then recap and, and say the action points or, or what, what goes next or whose responsibility it is. And it was important not to kind of, blend idea one into idea three and then kind of possibly throw it up as something for the future. It was about clear, logical, structured thinking and to think before you write or think before you say in order to try and get what's in your head across to the next person as quickly and effectively as possible. And but we were chatting before we started recording the episode about how that might apply to meetings as well. And that ties in with something that I'm working on in the business. One of my favorite business books is Traction by Gina Wickman. And they have a format to run effective meetings as just one element of the book. And that actually ties in really nicely with what you're talking about with the bento box method, where talking about it's important to talk about one point and actually have a resolution before you move on to the next point. Because I think what can easily happen in meetings is that you're talking about a particular topic. So you might be even talking about why a particular customer hasn't paid and then that moves on to some kind of process issue with a, with a credit card area of a form which ties into a website question which then links to how we're, how we're developing the next landing page and all of a sudden you've not solved the original problem. And so I think tying this into running effective meetings, I think it's something that we're working on at Bing Ninjas is having that one topic point and then bringing that to conclusion and coming up with an action point 
of who's responsible for it and when that's going to happen and then creating accountability around that. And that's something that we've actually been working on this week while Wayne is out on the Gold Coast. All right, your second takeaway, Michael. So I, I think this second takeaway, as I mean, it's so to get into the DC, you need to meet revenue targets. So a lot of the people who are speaking have successful businesses already, so that they have something that's generating revenue and, and they've they're already at a level. Um, and I think a lot of the reason why a lot of those people are can get into the DC and were able to present is because they all had a really specific focus on who their audience was or who their customer was. Um, I didn't meet many people with this, with a general business trying to, trying to sell to whoever was buying a, a lot of them really knew who their audience was, how to reach them, the most effective places to reach them. And I mean, in a lot of instances, especially with the, the data you can get from, from like Facebook advertising in particular, you can really know the key demographics of, of who your ideal customer or who you're speaking to, what their problems are, and having a real-world um, idea of, of those kind of things um, as opposed to, you know, the, the newspaper print model where you'd, you'd throw up an advertiser and hope someone bought the newspaper and hope that that person needed that problem solved so it's really specific um which i found was was really interesting um because you know nobody can serve everyone except for jeff bezos from amazon who <laughs> seems to be taking yes. over the world um so i I've, i found that really interesting um and that might seem straightforward but seeing that in practice across all businesses and w- was really hit home for me and and also using content to engage their audience. Uh, a lot of these online businesses, you need to, um, you know, find your audience, but also engage them with, with either videos, um, with blog posts, with free information. You really need to give out a lot of value in order to ask for um, something in return and to try and monetize that audience. So like, for example, um, ben from WordPress, who's one of our clients, he's, he does these really awesome, um, like CrossFit instructional viral videos. And, and he's really good at that. He knows who he's trying to speak to, the, the CrossFit community. He knows the key problems because he, you know, he used to run gyms and he really is in depth in that world. And he also knows how to solve those problems. And he, he got a really good, strong following online and, and he, he doubles down on that and, and then kind of, um, can sell his courses to the people that, that want it, you know, because he's solving a real problem in that world. And another one I, I, I saw when I was there was um, Alex from Travel Fashion Girl. Um, and she was doing kind of Facebook live events to talk through products and tips and um, as well as producing her blog to her, to her specific audience. So it was, ju- it was really interesting to see people um, doubling down on that and knowing who they are and, especially like in the Q and A's afterwards, not just those two businesses, but a lot of them, there's so many new ideas of, of new apps to use or new ways to communicate with people on the internet because it's constantly evolving. But it seems that uh, some of these successful people were doubling down on what they knew their strengths were and what they knew where they were having traction and, and, and making sure that they were doing that really well instead of trying to, get sucked down five different rabbit holes, trying other things. 
Um, but yeah, I think that's probably something I, I really got out of it is that it's such a big and varied place. You've got the whole world to sell to. You can sell on Alibaba or Amazon or, you know, there's, there's so many, there's a huge scope, but the people who seem to be doing well knew what problem they were solving, knew how to reach their audience and were giving them information they wanted um, as well as, as, you know, doubling down on that, that content. I think there's a lot of different strategies you can use to make the most of a conference to keep your energies level, to keep your energy levels up and to build relationships and network with different attendees at the event. Have you got any tips that you'd like to share about your experience at the conference and how others might make the most of an event like DCBKK? Yeah, I do. It's similar to going to a multiple day music festival. So these tips can be, <laughs> these tips can be applied across the board. Uh, Dan and Ian from DC mentioned this at the start and it was completely true, which was manage your energy because it's a conference that went from two days into five. It's, it's, it's a marathon. It's a long time to be engaged and to be listening. And also obviously during the breaks, you, you're speaking to so many different people with so many different businesses. So it's, it's exhausting. Like, so you need to make sure you don't spend all your fun chips up front and keep, keep enough in there for five days. Um, you, there's events on every night that you could potentially go to as well. So um, you've got to, you've got to choose what you, what you want to do there. I went to, all of the nighttime events and all the daytime things. And I was, I was exhausted at the end of it. So I think in hindsight, I'd probably skip one or two of the nighttime events just to recharge the batteries and make sure I was good for the rest of the week. Um, and I kind of mentioned it above. The other one was just say hello to everybody. And you, you never know who you're going to meet there because, um, well, especially in, in this conference, there's people from all over the world, everywhere. And they're living quite often in an other awesome, unique remote spots as well so you never know what you're going to learn from from people so make sure you you've got an open mind and, and kind of just say g'day and, and you never know what conversations kind of pick up in the in the hallways uh the other one that was awesome i did it so i was staying with wayne who's obviously with us at Ben ninjas we we did a bit of exercise during the day or in the morning before we actually went to the conference which just kept our energy levels high and kept us healthy because otherwise you get stuck in the rut of sitting down all day in air conditioning, listening to talks and then drinking coffee to keep going. And you don't, your body doesn't really get much time to, to do any exercise. So that was something I, I really found helpful as well. I think it can be hard sometimes fitting in exercise, but also finding somewhere we some space to actually do the exercise. So what kind of, was there a gym at the accommodation that you were staying at or did you have some other strategies what kind of exercise were you doing yeah it was it was a pretty very basic gym um i had like a couple of semi-working treadmills and a few free weights <laughs> yeah so we so we were in there and we, um wayne had this awesome app called kilo fit which i'd never heard of before but it basically tailors your workout depending on what tools i like what kind of workout weights and stuff you have so we didn't have much, so there was a lot of just like floor-based exercise. That, but they'd, they'd give you six or seven things to do, so we were using that to go through it. Um, otherwise, I'd just go for, a, go for a trot on the treadmill. Oh, and they had a pool, so we were, I was going for a bit of a spring as well. Yeah. Something I do is I pack a skipping rope with me because 
some of the accommodation, it'll, just as you experience, it'll say there's a gym, but really there's not a lot of options of equipment in the gym.